Big Fluff. Actually, I'd like to do this myself. What were you going to tell Ray before? You still on that? Oh, I'm sorry. Is this a bad time? Oh, sort of is a bad time. Oh, well, it's later. Mm -hmm. okay, okay, not sure. We're gonna let something off your chest. Maybe now's not the worst time. I'm the spy. What? You? We don't have much time. I knew it. No, you did not. Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and look for a silver lining. And and we usually find one, which I think is a nice thing. Yeah. Uh, and we are concluding the month of May, uh, which we have been spending uh, because of May the 4th watching Star Wars movies. And uh, let, let me just say... <laughs> hey, I, I'm looking forward to June. <laughs> uh, June is looking pretty sweet. And just to be clear, if this is your first episode, first of all, that's weird. I don't know why you started with this one, but hello. Uh, hey. I love Star Wars. Star Wars is great. Uh, we've Same. only We've only been watching uh, the bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that, too, because uh, if you just go by what they're now calling the Skywalker saga... Uh, that of those nine movies, I think, you know, obviously opinions, uh, very wildly, but I would say for me, I'm in the camp of like four of those movies are good. One is okay. And four of those movies are bad, which is not a great average if you really break it down. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm inclined to agree with the, those numbers. I could probably parse it out even further to say, that four of those movies are good. One is fun. One is bad. And then three are real bad. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, that might be a more accurate breakdown. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's interesting because I'm just going to put my cards on the table. So uh, just to get into it, we today are focusing on Star Wars Episode 9, Rise of Skywalker. Is it Rise of the Skywalker? Or Rise? It's just Rise, it's of, Rise Skywalker. of Skywalker. Yeah, I'm trying to make it make more sense as I say it. But yes, Rise of Skywalker, which is a very Arrested Development title. <laughs> like You yeah, just drop the articles. I'm going to say it's the second worst title in the series. Ooh, what's the worst title in the series? Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Well, there. as we discussed on that show, if you go back and listen to it, there is no real Attack of the Clones in the movie Attack of the Clones. I mean, they attack the droids, but they don't. That's not. Yeah, it's but a, when you call a movie attack of the something, you assume that the something is going to attack the protagonist. Yeah, that's definitely what you're implying. So, like, there's a battle that clones are in. But yeah, it's a very misleading title. Yeah, it's but bad. yeah, Rise of Skywalker, uh, which is episode nine. It came out last year. It is uh, now available for free, which made it a good incentive to. <laughs> To, to watch it to watch it because i did not want to pay extra uh to watch this movie uh I'm, that's, but, that's a true fact but i'm gonna put my cards on the table i'm just gonna be real honest at the top i really despise this movie 
<laughs> I th- I think this might be your the last j- or uh, your um God uh, Revenge of the Sith for me. Yeah, Cause uh, yeah, because yeah. I really hate that movie. Yeah, and this which, movie. I I actually like this movie better than the prequels. I don't. I still I, don't like it. I in my head, I honestly was trying to decide if uh, I think that it's worse than Attack of the Clones, uh, simply because. And look, I'm not defending Attack of the Clones in any way. No. We did find a silver lining for it, which you can go back and listen to. However. Where I landed on this is I was like, look, that movie sucks, but George Lucas earned the right to suck. You know, like, who are you, J.J. <laughs> Abrams, to shit all over Star Wars like this? Like, well, you didn't earn what he earned. <laughs> yeah. The... <laughs> I don't know. I would say for me, when I think these are the two worst movies in the series. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I can turn my brain off and enjoy rise of skywalker more than i can with attack of the Clones. which let's just be clear that is what is asked of you when you 100 <laughs> percent. that's what i mean and again i think you brought up and so i'm just gonna lean into this this idea of like look i have a very writerly brain i i'm always yes. gonna approach things from the point of story that's what interests me and if you're interested in story or continuity or logic uh, this movie has a big middle finger for you to eat, like right from Jump Street, right from just yeah. we're introducing Palpatine. Because that was the thing. I remember going into this movie and I was very skeptical about the idea of uh, and now he has a full name. So let's just give it Steve Palpatine. Uh, he's back. Steve. Palpatine. <laughs> is that, Isn't that's it right? Sheev? It is Sheev. It's, no, I'm, it's Sheev. Yeah. yeah. Steve. Steve Palpatine. Palpatine. <laughs> Who this movie wants you to know, uh, he fucks. That's the new development. That's the, the thing. That's the, how is Luke the only person in the entire Star Wars universe? Who's a virgin? Like, <laughs> well, there's that. Um, that has like a, 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 a typical Western name. Yeah, that is a good point. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, well, I guess ha- Ben Kenobi that he used as an alias after the Jedi fell. Yeah. Know, to hide. Instead of Obi-Wan. But, well, ugh. apparently if you're on Tatooine, you have normal names because you have, well, Baru's Owen not, Lars. Yeah, Baru isn't very normal, but Owen for but sure. Owen, yeah. Owen Lars is a normal name. Yeah. Jabba uh, the Hutt, normal name. Yeah, like totally Jabba normal. Chamberlain, yeah. <laughs> uh, Salacious Crumb, totally yeah. normal name. <laughs> I mean, I think about my uh, eighth grade U.S. history teacher, Salacious Langley. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Really, and you're—we should tell people you're a history teacher now. So it was Salacious Langley who—it was who, all Salacious Langley that <laughs> let me become a history teacher uh, because of that really infectious laugh, like in the classroom. <laughs> he would just hang from the rafter, which I thought was really weird. But uh, but uh, enough about the other weird things in Star Wars. Let's talk about this weird thing in Star Wars. But no, so I was saying that yeah, from my writer brain, like I went in very skeptical about bringing back Palpatine because I I think it opens a, a big can of worms in terms of like, it, and it's not addressed in this movie in any way. But essentially, Palpatine just coming back to life completely invalidates the entire arc of Luke's three movies plus uh, Darth Vader's redemption, really, because. If he sacrificed himself to kill the emperor, but then that didn't even work, then it was all kind of pointless. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. So you did that just on a basic level, but also the explanation presented in this movie 
uh, which I think we also this came up in the Phantom Menace episode is they there actually is some like groundwork laid by George Lucas for the idea of a Sith Lord uh, finding a way to be immortal because of uh, what is it Darth Plagueis or yeah Darth Plagueis that's in uh, Revenge of the Sith they, yeah, they, they tell the story yeah so there there is that foundation but like no uh, they don't even pretend to ignore that yeah and the fact that it's it's not even that he just survived it's that. His spirit reanimated the actual corpse of Palpatine. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I was thinking that watching it this time, too. And maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. But, like, I thought that, too, that, like, it still would have been dumb. But I would have understood a movie where he was some kind of force ghost. But then he had a plan. Because at the end, he's, like, absorbing energy from uh, Ray and from Kylo Ren. And so, like... Maybe if the idea was that if he absorbed enough of their lives, then he could have like a physical body that would have been something. But he's like absorbing their life force when he doesn't even really need it because he's already more godlike than he has ever been in any movie. He has, as he would say, and I'm going to deliver um, it exactly like think, yeah, I was going to. Yeah, I was wondering. If ahead, I'll was, let you. I'll let you. Unlimited power. As he always Nailed said. It. Yeah, that's how he says it. <laughs> But limitless strength. That's what that was the line, right? Yeah, yes, limitless strength. Like he is shooting lightning. Like he is basically Thor at the end of Ragnarok when he yeah. like, drops down from the sky in terms which also note if we re edited the end of uh the movie to play uh immigrant song, like would really slap, I think, uh, in a in a like that is, you know, as a movie, I didn't enjoy it, but as like a visuals for a badass, like, you know, rock song oh, when he, yeah, <laughs> when he like electrifies the sky and repowers all those star destroyers. Yeah, that's awesome. That is bad. That's a badass scene. And I don't in any way understand what happens. But again, as like, you know, if Death Clock or some like actual uh, heavy metal band was just like playing something like really amazing to these like the the weird shadow audience that's there to watch whatever's happening that i don't understand what they're supposed to be or why they're there uh everything about exegol made no sense yeah well also nothing about this movie makes any sense the the there's so much retconning there's so much ignoring what happened before uh, it, it, this movie feels like it was written by the worst Reddit thread imaginable. Like, it's just so terrified to upset the worst Star Wars fans in any way. And it's just such a, like, cowardly, you know, apology for upsetting people for The Last Jedi, which I love unequivocally. I think it's great. Uh, and I, I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I think it's a great movie. No, but I, I love it. And look, it's not a perfect movie, but it is the only movie of the most recent trilogy to do anything interesting with the characters. Any of the characters. Like, yeah. that's the thing is I, I I support. I like what he did, but like I just I like Ryan Johnson actually took a swing instead of just going like, you know, here's the stuff you Let's like just, again. Let's do the thing again. And this movie is the worst of that and feels like. Like, I got this vibe that this movie feels like you're watching a six-year-old play with action figures. Well, I think I, I know I've told you about this, but we might as well put it into posterity for <laughs> the sake of podcasting. Yeah. Uh, but my basic analogy of this, the the third trilogy, is that the first episode is a kid playing with his Star Wars toys, and that's not that imaginative, so he basically just does the Star Wars movie again. Yeah, yeah. And then 
The second movie is that kid's weird little brother <laughs> playing with the figures however he wants and doing all of the other stuff and told and you know doing his own thing with them. And this movie is that first kid coming back and being all mad at his weird little brother and being like, yeah. "No, this is how you're supposed to play Star Wars." <laughs> yeah, like that's the that's this trilogy. That's about right, I think. Uh, yeah, I just okay, but like I. I don't like this movie, but I'm I'm getting. I feel like I'm. Uh, we need no. We need to get this out. Okay, it needs to be. Okay, yeah. let's get it all out then. Like, what else? <laughs> what else do I really need to just like get out of here? All I mean, I said it on the Hobo Radio podcast, but for those of you who didn't listen to it, I just like how stupid it is of like all of the energy put into the idea of uh, hyperspace and like what is involved in uh, like literally. The sacrifice made in Solo uh, is that, like, a, a droid has to be put into the Millennium Falcon so that it can do calculations for hyperdrive. All of the original trilogy is all about how the Millennium Falcon is constantly falling apart and never is able to jump when it's supposed to. And there's really great dialogue about Han Solo really like, this ain't like Dustin Crop boy. Like, you know, he's like talking yeah. about how you do the wrong calculations and you could end up in the middle of a planet. Like it's, and Han Solo famously reckless character is like, okay, look, I'm crazy, but like, but I, there's a line, but you got to do the math. This movie just opens with the idea that you can just teleport, teleport magically anywhere you want. At one point, it's like implied that they do it through the mouth of a monster that's trying to eat them. And how is that any different from the Haldo maneuver? Yeah. In, yeah. I just like it's that really irked me. Just the entire approach to this movie irked me. The needless fake out of killing Chewbacca, uh, especially it, when there's a scene that shows them looking at two transports. Yeah, well, there's that. But there's also here's a thing that like just drives me insane about J.J. Abrams approach to storytelling, uh, which you can see in that scene. So, OK, yeah, I'm going to focus on this scene because I really hate this scene for a moment. So just indulge me. So the, it's so stupid. There's a transport. Ray is trying to stop it. Uh, then Kylo Ren shows up. He also puts his hand up, uh, in her frustration. She shoots lightning bolts out of her hand and blows up the transport thinking that she killed Chewbacca. Then, uh, the way it's edited is that Poe is like, come on, Ray, we gotta go. And then there's an edit, which one ignores, how did they get away from Kylo Ren? <laughs> like he's standing three feet through away. Editing. From, yeah. So they escape through editing, but also... In editing, like, what you waved your hand past, which you ignored, is... So, presumably, Ray got in the ship, and it started to lift off. At what point, one of two things happened. Either the transport that Chewbacca was on also starts to fly away, or it doesn't. But them being in a spaceship, they start to lift off of the planet, at which point they have a bird's-eye view of the other transport that's still on the ground. Like, I don't understand... How they don't know it. And then also as just the ultimate lazy writing, the, we're making up the rules as we go along. Later, Ray is able to sense that Chewbacca is still alive on a different spaceship for oh, some but reason. But before that, they already confirmed to the audience that Chewbacca was still alive. Well, right. We knew that he was alive. But like the idea that Ray can sense that Chewbacca is alive later, but not in the moment when like it would actually help. 
yeah, it's it's all terrible. It's all terrible. I and that scene's stupid, and I don't get the point of it. They also make up. They're making up new powers in this movie. Ray can heal people now. Like well, that. Di- yeah. The this movie like it just obliterates stakes as a thing because like no one can die. Uh, including the villains. Like, it's now an episode of G.I. Joe. Like, they're all shooting lasers at each other, but no one will ever be harmed by them. Except unless if you're an original cast member, <laughs> like, in which case you will disappear at some point. But, yeah. uh, you know, like... The fact it, that they're running horses on top of a Star Destroyer. Yeah, and the fact that they're just introducing new characters half-heartedly while ignoring characters like Rose, but, like, we're also introducing new characters that you're also not going to service or, like, develop, but you're just still, up until the last minute, just bringing in new people for some reason. And just, like, the whole convoluted, like, MacGuffin quest that this movie is is just... I still, like, yeah, this movie breaks down to the plot is... Uh, that they need a GPS to tell them how to get to Exegol. But then there's so much convol like it's so convoluted in that there's a dagger, but then they lose the dagger. So then, but the daggers like information exists in C-3PO's brain, but they have to do this like but surgery. But you can't say it because it's a naughty language. Yeah, which honestly, like I'm going to be real and this might come up later. I like that plot. Like that works. That's the, the Yeah. Like, that's it's, a great, that's an understanding of C-3PO of just, like, C-3PO exists to make everyone else around him's life harder. Go, ah! Yeah, like, it's perfectly on brand of, of course, he, the one time in his life he could actually be helpful. He can't be helpful because of his own stupid programming. Like, A+, plus, best writing in the whole movie, like, by far. But, here's the thing, you wipe his memory in the movie to get, so he'll say the message, but then you also get the dagger back later so you didn't need to do any of that and also you get the dagger back because kylo ren has a room with no security that he just leaves all his important stuff in does he know that the other one's there though oh the dagger oh yeah, yeah no oh, sorry I'm, I'm mixing up with the other wayfinder that was in the second death star no that yeah because there's daggers to get to yeah, his bedroom has no security or but that's Ray what I'm saying. was just like, edited past it yeah his private room like supreme leader kylo ren's uh private chambers just have doors that are open and he just leaves his you know granddaddy burnt memorial helmet and like all of the clues that she needs just laying out in his room that sort of leads me to the, one of the things that angered me the most about this movie. And it, this was like the biggest like F you to Ryan Johnson, like Ryan Johnson, I think very logically got rid of Kylo's helmet. Yeah. In a way that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And because JJ Abrams probably came up with it and thought it was cool. He's like, no, he's got to have the helmet. So he's, no, and this is like back. you and I, we met doing improv, and it, it just strikes me as the worst improv scene partner ever, which is like someone who decided on a scene. Uh, they're just really committed to it. Their scene partner came out and did something that they didn't expect, and then they just went, No, back to my original idea. Like, yeah, I'm, which, like, to take a, and, a, a real brief detour, 
uh, I think the gold standard for just like the way to handle these things uh, is I, I always think of Dan Harmon uh, getting fired from season four of Community. Someone else came in, wrote the season. It was pretty much universally not loved. But when he came back for season five, instead of just going like, no, none of that happened. It's not real. Like he just made some jokes about it being the gas leak year. But, like, right. accepted what was presented in that year as, like, that stuff happened. And now we have to move on. Jeff graduated from college, so now he's going to come back as a teacher. Like, the, I actually like that you introduced Brie Larson as uh, Abed's girlfriend. So she gets to be in another episode as his girlfriend. I'm going to use a character that you create. Like, just, that's kind of, even if you fucking hated it, even if you feel personally betrayed by what was presented... Like, you're, it's an obligation to accept the reality that was handed to you. That's what Ryan Johnson did. Yeah, 100%. No, it, it's super annoying. That, and also, that also implies that Kylo Ren kept all the shards of the helmet after he smashed it just around. He's a real sentimental guy, apparently. I, that is one thing that's pretty on brand. I mean, he kept the charred husk of his grandfather's helmet. Yeah. So he clearly, you know, but like, yeah, just because Last Jedi did put so much work into saying we need to forget the past and move on. Yeah. That this movie's like, no, the past is so cool. Well, also, to me, the, the biggest, uh, like, just example of J.J. Abrams being unnecessarily petty with how much he clearly despises everything that Ryan Johnson did and how much this movie is essentially a referendum on everything in The Last Jedi and going like, you know, no, all that sucks. And like, here's Luke to talk like trash about stuff that Luke did in the last movie, <laughs> um, which also just want to point out, Frank Oz does not appear as Yoda in this movie because he was too busy filming Knives Out with Ryan Johnson. So just make of that what you will. But yep. uh, like you just the the thing that drives me insane about like how petty he is, is that whether even if he didn't agree with anything else, the end of The Last Jedi is Luke Skywalker standing in front of Kylo Ren and doing this very symbolic you know, battle to rally the troops and to give them time to escape, which clearly is meant to be like a softball to whoever writes the next movie of like, this is what you build on to like build the rebellion for the final showdown in the third movie. Like I've seen people criticize the last Jedi for not giving him anywhere to go uh, in the third movie. And I'm like, that was where to go. Like that was such a clear that is the gift that was given to the next writer of like Luke stands in front of Kylo Ren. He does this big showy battle to basically show that like this guy can be beat and I'm going to embarrass him in front of his own troops and in front of my troops. And all you had to do in this movie was make that work. Like have people, I actually, I remember specifically when they go and we should talk about space burning man, but when they go to space burning man, there's a puppet show, and I really thought the puppets were going to be reenacting Luke standing up to Kylo Ren. And I thought that's where the movie was headed. I thought there was going to be these, like, whispers of what Luke did, like, trickling through the galaxy, and we were going to see it. And that would have been... Like, like they showed at the end with the kids. Right. Th that's where the last movie ends. It's where this movie should have picked up, is that it's getting around. It's There's this, like, you know... 
like underneath the surface, like bubbling up among the common folk is like Luke Skywalker is becoming a folk hero. And that's what rallies everyone. But again, J.J. Abrams hated Last Jedi so much that he can't bring himself to use anything that Ryan Johnson gave him. So instead of doing that, all of that is ignored. It is explicitly said by Poe that it didn't work, that like they sent a message out after Luke uh, did that and no one responded. So then... Lando shows up and we just somehow, again, through editing, rallies everyone and rallies. When I say everyone, it is cartoonish how many ships show up at the end. Like, it's too many ships. They're going to shoot each other because there's no room for them to maneuver. Most of those people died because of friendly fire. I hate to break it to you, but like. (laughs) They all got fragged. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) But that's just to me the example of like how dumb and how petty the writing in this movie is like of even the stuff that was should have been easy you didn't take because you didn't want to use any ryan johnson material for a movie that has the second highest metacritic score of the entire saga yeah yeah i i just that's always the vibe i get from this movie is like and i I said it before but i i feel like they just listen to the worst of their fans and yeah. like the really loud vocal minority that even though this movie was a, like even though Last Jedi was a financial success and a critical success, some people online in a very small niche group were very loud about how it wasn't good and they catered to them instead of everyone else. But I do here we're going to because we're going to run out of time before we even get to anything positive about this movie. But I, think, I do want to I take... I know the answer to what's positive, but go ahead. Sorry. Okay. But I want to take a moment to reset, to to just... If we could all close our eyes for a moment and take a deep breath, I want you to imagine a better world where Colin Trevorrow <laughs> wrote a screenplay to this movie, and we got this version of episode nine, which I don't know if you've ever read this before. I haven't, no. But it actually was leaked uh, at some point. I think it was back in January. uh, And it was basically all but confirmed that, like, this actually was the script that he turned in. Uh, But it was written, it was Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly. And for those of you who aren't giant nerds like me and Andy, if you don't know, they were the original team hired to write this movie. They were fired from the project. And then J.J. Abrams uh, was brought in to, like, revise the script or whatever. But... Basically, this movie is going to be called Duel of the Fates. That was the like proposed so much title, better. which is a better title. Uh, and essentially, uh, the opening crawl explains that after The Last Jedi, the First Order continued to spread throughout the galaxy. Uh, I'm reading from Polygon, by the way. I'm like skimming a Polygon article to not just read it word for word. But uh, in hopes of cutting off the resistance, Supreme Leader Kylo, Snow- Kylo Ren has uh, blocked communication between neighboring systems. Uh, like, so basically Ray is continuing her Jedi training, uh, and trying to rebuild like what the ancient order will look like. Uh, and Leia comes up with a plan to save the resistance. Uh, and basically like Ray and Poe and BB-8 are looking for answers of how to fix the Jedi order. Kylo Ren goes to Mustafar where he finds a Sith holocron that was meant for Darth Vader. That is a recording of Emperor Palpatine. That essentially sends him to go train with Palpatine's former master, Tor Valium, a ripped 7,000-year-old Lovecraftian alien 
that trains him briefly. Um, and then Kylo leaves to find Rey. Uh, and then he's uh, defeated by a vision of Darth Vader in a force cave similar to the one on Dagobah. Uh, they cross paths like him and Rey. Uh, they fight. And basically, there's no redemption for him. Uh, he doesn't ever turn back to the dark side. He is just the villain of the film. Uh, near, near the end of the movie, there are force ghosts of Luke, Obi-Wan, and Yoda that appear. Uh, and uh, then, like, uh, basically, yeah, uh, Ben isn't redeemed. And then the whole, the whole thing that Finn and Rose are, they go to Coruscant to light an ancient beacon hidden under a Jedi temple to signal the galaxy that it's time to rise up and fight against the first order. So that they're actually doing the legwork of like rallying everybody while the movie is just Ray versus Kylo Ren. And also there's an Lovecraftian alien that he trains with. Like that movie would have been way better than what was presented. Yeah. And those guys were fired <laughs> and told not to make that movie. Yep. So, so I think, yeah. Yeah, I think we've been beating around the bush uh, for what is the silver lining of this movie. Because I think it's really clear uh, that there is only one silver lining to this movie, and that is Babu Frick. <laughs> Babu Frick uh, has done no wrong. Like, I will say that. Like, you know, he he's adorable. Uh, he's, he's great. Uh, he distracts from the very weird Carrie Russell character that's there to just crush the hopes and dreams of every shipper of Finn and Poe. <laughs> like, <laughs> also, A plus when you cast a recognizable actress and put her in a helmet and only show her her eyebrows. Like, that's good use of casting and money. That's good use, definitely. Because, and I mean, granted, you know. What what an Ugmo Carrie Russell is like. Cover that face. Yeah, up, yeah you don't want to see it. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's definitely not a beautiful woman or anything. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, and I look to to expand on what you're saying too. Uh, I mean it when I say it. The C three PO storyline is great. That was a great idea. It's a very funny use of C three PO. The only times I laughed in this movie are the very easy but very funny jokes of uh. Just him being like, oh, my first space battle. Like, oh, my oldest friend. Like, just the, like... Babu Frick, he's my oldest friend. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, like, that's a great C-3PO bit of just, like, make him be an obstacle to everyone else. Make everyone else have no hesitation about wiping his memory. <laughs> like, because that is a pretty consistent... Like, C-3PO is the Jerry from Parks and Rec of the Star Wars universe. Like... And if you don't believe me, go rewatch Return of the Jedi, where he finds out as R2-D2 is saying it, that he's been sold to Jabba the Hutt, which R2 knows is part of a plan, but no one ever tells C-3PO what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, I want to say, for the record, that is what is... J.J. Abrams is the best at both in The Force Awakens and in this movie is he can write some C-3PO scenes. Yeah, because I think one of the one of my favorite throwaways from uh, The Force Awakens is when C-3PO says, oh, maybe you didn't recognize me. I have a red arm. No, it's great. And just also the fact that he's like completely third wheeling the reunion between <laughs> like... Yeah, you know, Leia and Han, like he's just in the middle of them for no reason. Yeah, it's 
it's uh, uh, this this is one of those things like visually and i think it's a cheat to say that the silver lining of star wars movies is the spectacle of them because they're all like every yeah. star wars movie i feel like has delivered in terms of spectacle oh yeah like without without fail but like man this movie starts to crumble as soon as you start pulling at any of the threads worse than almost any other star wars movie no and that is that you nailed it that is 100% the problem with this movie is that if you think about anything that is presented for too long it immediately falls apart like it just doesn't hold up to any amount of scrutiny nothing makes any sense and it even nothing just nothing has any consequences or stakes nothing has any consequences or stakes like the there's so much just like retconning and like ignoring of things that have been presented before. There's just wild swings in uh, the way characters are presented or act like there's there's no consistency. It's yeah, it it's the worst written Star Wars movie for sure. Like just on a basic like competency level. And that's the thing. I can't really bring myself to understand I mean, again, I think what Colin Trevorrow turned in was a good movie that I would have liked to have seen. But even I, I love to know the reasons that it was rejected. But having that rejected, I don't understand how even if you're like, OK, we look Reddit's being real loud about this. And so we really got to like, you know, throw Kelly Marie Tran under a bus and we really got to like take out all the stuff that like made their childhood sad and just really pander to the worst of this fan base to just because it's a global franchise that makes billions of dollars. We really have to pander to like 30 guys in one subreddit who said they didn't like it because the ladies did stuff. So like, let's really just embrace them wholeheartedly. I still don't understand how this script gets turned in and you're like, this is it. You nailed it, JJ flawless no notes make this exact movie don't change a thing baby you did it oh wait what's that oh you want to put the the whole explanation as to how the emperor like his message that he sends out that's like in the opening crawl you want to put that in Fortnite? beautiful that's how we do it now don't worry we'll fix it all in a series of like extended universe novels that we release to try to make sense of this garbage Oh, wait, we're at the silver lining part. Sorry, I keep <laughs> getting distracted. Okay, I got two other things I want to bring up as possible silver lining. And then I actually okay, have... Great. So, I, to be clear, I have three. But these are small things that I think deserve special attention that did make me happy. Uh, one is uh, my wife's favorite part of the movie that I do want to give a spotlight to, which is the A-plus delivery from Hux of I'm the Spy uh, when he goes full Zucker Brothers movie, clearly he realized that he sees the writing on the wall that like this. Is, no, no, nothing matters. Nothing anymore. matters. I'm just going to like give me that scenery. I'm I'm stuffing it all in my mouth. This is my time to shine. And then mercifully, they're going to shoot me in the next scene anyway. And I get to be off of this franchise <laughs> where I've essentially played three different characters in three different movies. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but no, Hux's I'm the spy line, A plus, um, so good that it distracts me from the completely nonsensical reason that they don't bring him with them 
when he's shown a willingness to turn on his people and is definitely going to be killed by his people when they figure out that he's the spy and he just murdered three of like the stormtroopers. But like also think of all the valuable information that Hux would have when staging your rebellion. You just leave the guy on the ship. Anyway, I'm the spy. A plus line delivery. Uh, I also to Donald Gleason. I also want to spotlight. Look, I said I love C three PO, but the app at the actual funniest part of the movie to me, the actual hardest that I laughed in the theater when I saw it the first time is when Harrison Ford shows up because it's <laughs> so funny that they got Harrison Ford to be in this movie when he did not put on a costume, he did not shave, he definitely didn't read any of those lines before he said them. He no, was... those were on a cue card. That was that was like um not someone with no stage performance experience hosting SNL oh, level yeah. of cue card reading. <laughs> he he there's zero chance he was on that set for more than an hour. He walked in <laughs> in what he was wearing and said, Okay, hurry it up. Like it's like that Krusty the Clown scene in uh when Lisa <laughs> makes her own doll, Lisa the Lionheart. Where he just rattles off all the lines. is like, that's how a professional does it. Like, and then he just walked out. Like, there's like, it seriously made me like, because at that point watching the movie, I had already was so checked out and was like starting to enjoy how much I didn't enjoy the movie. And then when he showed up, I was like, of course, of course, they got Harrison Ford to show up and do the least effort I have ever seen him put into anything in my entire life. And it's amazing. It's just, yeah, I would watch an entire two hour documentary about the filming of that scene and like what <laughs> it took to get him to be there. Like what he was like on set. I would watch every outtake, which there are none. I'm guessing there are none. That was one take. <laughs> it's just all one take. And then he he didn't shave. That's the funniest part that I didn't notice until this time is he straight up just has like five o'clock shadow, like which doesn't make any sense because he's a memory, but he looks yeah. worse than the last time he existed in real life. Anyway, a plus funniest thing in the whole movie. Uh, I, I loved every second of it. Um, but no, here's my silver lining and it is a nihilistic one, but I stand by it. This movie is so bad and so stupid and so destructive to the continuity of Star Wars, so destructive to the reality of Star Wars. It obliterates all stakes. It makes everything that has happened before it not matter. It makes everything that happens in it not matter. There is no reason to believe that anything that happened in it actually meant anything. And post this movie, the world that is left in Star Wars is such a mess that there is no way they could ever make an episode 10. <laughs> and so that is my silver lining, is that it was so bad that it was a nail in the coffin to the so-called Skywalker saga. And in fact, if you've been following the news, it was uh, announced on May the 4th that the next Star Wars movie will be written by Taika Waititi. And hopefully it takes place in a different timeline, somewhere completely removed from any of these characters. And we're just done. <laughs> like, that's my <laughs> silver lining, is that they never make a movie where anyone has even heard of Luke Skywalker ever again. <laughs> that, like, I just... I'm done with it. I don't like keep making Star Wars movies because you're going to keep making Star Wars movies. But like free yourself 
from the baggage of this particular set of stories it has been nothing but an albatross to everyone who has tried to make a movie post 1980s involving these characters <laughs> like just walk away <laughs> I, I have nothing to say in response there's nothing more that needs to be said about that also babu frick just <laughs> <laughs> those also two babu things frick. those two things that's my silver lining <laughs> yeah so we've got your nihilistic rant about the final nail in the coffin of the star wars saga and babu frick and the, and the c-3po story and arc. c-3po who like anthony daniels thank you sir like you yes you you shined you shined in everything which honestly anthony daniels might have racked up more star wars credits than anyone else like from the original trilogy if you because he's, he's voiced to c-3po in the clone wars tv show i think he's the only person that's i mean i'm sure there's a video game here or there where someone else did the voice or whatever but he's played c-3po in almost every iteration yeah and like just yeah, a a plus always. Uh, and yes. I also cannot name a single other thing he's done. No, and I wouldn't want to. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to know what else he's done. The man is C three PO, and that is enough. Uh, but yeah, there you go. We are done with with Star Wars movies. We're done with Skywalker Saga movies. Uh, if you need a palate cleanser, hey, go watch that original trilogy and or the Last Jedi. They're real nice. They yeah. Um, and and force awakens is fun force awakens is fun there's some enjoyable stuff in there for sure uh it looks real neat it's got some cool lightsaber battles but we we're done with star wars would you like to tell the people uh what our plan is going forward for the silver lining playback podcast just keep talking about bad movies, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, did you... We, we have a plan for June. Have you forgotten our plan for June? <laughs> oh, talking about uh, blockbuster movies like Summer Temple? Yeah, Flex. so we're going to... Yeah, exactly. We are going to transition into... Uh, sorry, I sprung that on you without <laughs> telling you what I was springing on you. But yeah, for the month of June, uh, we're going to be doing like summer blockbuster uh, type movies that, again, uh, are bad or mal maligned, and we will be looking for silver linings uh so please uh come back for that and now here's andy with our famous sign off <laughs> smell you later there it is boom hot <laughs> out <laughs> oh man that was a fun rant yeah you went off there that was great silver linings playback is a production of hobotrashcan.com if you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.